directed today. I am ready to jump in. Are you? If you have the app, you can open that app up and you can follow along as we go. And I'm going to share a few scriptures this morning and talk to you about what does it mean? What does love perfected mean? So let me start with this statement. To love Yahweh is a perfect love. Uh, to love Yahweh with perfect love is His desire that can be ours. So let's start with abundance of love. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. You know, I could have read this scripture, said a few things about it, and dismissed us this morning, and the message would be clear. Now, someone might be saying, okay, why not? <laughs> because there's actually a few more things that I felt like I needed to say, just to make sure the point is clear. But 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, and the ESV reads like this, it says, Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. I'm going to read that again, then I'm going to read the rest of it. Whoever keeps God's word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him, and whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. There is an abundance of knowledge of God. Listen to what I'm about to tell you this morning. You can write, I, don't, I don't know if I put this in the app or not. But there is an abundance of knowledge of God, and there is also an equal abundance of a lack of love for God. There's a lot of people that know God. Gaston, is that your phone? That's usually, that's one of his weird ringtones. We always know when someone's reaching out to Gaston because the grandfather clock is sounding. We can cut that part out of the service when we're editing the service. There's an abundance of knowledge of God, but there's equal abundance of lack of love for God. The danger... In the world today, the danger of believers today is that if we're not careful, we equate knowledge with love. The more I know Him, then that equates to the more I love Him. The more I study, then the more I love. The more I pray, the more I love. The more I witness, then the more I love. The more I sit in teachings and draw more knowledge then the more I love. Well, the problem with that is knowledge does not produce passion. You need to hear me today. Knowledge of nothing produces passion for anything. I can get all the knowledge I want on sweet potatoes, and I will never love them. Those of you that know me, you know I don't like sweet potatoes. I don't like scalloped potatoes. I don't like cottage cheese. I don't like anything that's rotten. But a knowledge of something, say this with me, a knowledge of something does not produce a love of something. They are not the same. Knowing and loving are not the same. For instance, I would ask this question. Please don't put out any names. Don't say anything so everyone can hear it. How many people do you know that you do not love, naturally speaking? 
Gaston, you're laughing, man. It's, it's, <laughs> Gaston is just ripping off this list. I mean, I, I hope I'm not on it. How many people do you know that you would not say, I have a natural love for? I know a lot of people. That I love them with a love of Christ in the sense that I love them to the point that I want them to come to know Him, but I don't love them in the sense that I want to spend immeasurable time with them. That when I'm with them, I find myself fulfilled. Does that make sense? When I love someone naturally and I'm with them, when I'm with my wife, I've, I've loved her literally to say that it is impossible to have love at first sight is not true because when I saw my wife for the very first time, I loved her instantaneously. There was, before I even knew anything about her, I didn't even know her name and I loved her. It was not until the end of that service when people were leaving that I was introduced to her and I was introduced to the woman I suddenly found myself loving. Now I know this doesn't happen often and I know that some might question the viability or the, 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 you know, the reality of that, but I can tell you I know what happened in me. And I knew when Holy Spirit said, that is your wife, I loved her instantaneously. And I, in fact, when I knew that, I did not consider the moments that we would argue. I didn't consider the times that she was going to say, no, I'm right and you're wrong, which is a lot. No, No, I'm just kidding. I didn't consider the moments that we would not see eye to eye. I didn't consider that. All I saw was when I saw my wife, I saw there was a love Holy Spirit birthed in me that was supernatural, and I was in love with her, and I knew I wanted to spend my life with her. If I could be with her, I would feel fulfilled. That was that kind of love. And I didn't even know her yet. So knowing and loving did not work together, but something supernatural had occurred. And then as I met her and as I came to know her, that did not increase my love for her. In fact, it was exactly the opposite because my love was being perfected and I was learning to love her more. My desire to know her increased. The more I loved her, the more I wanted to know her. Being with her, being around her, when we would go on dates and our first date, you know, you've heard me tell the story, but she was singing in the choir at this thing, at whatever it was, some kind of demonstration, some kind of concert, some kind of whatever it was. There were about 50 of them. And they're up there at Lee College, and they're on this platform, and, and at this point, she really didn't want anything to do with me. But that was irrelevant. Whether she loved me or not was not important. There was a love in me that I knew would change things. And I went into that college and I went into that auditorium and as they're singing, and there's probably a thousand people in that room, maybe more, that thing was massive. And they're up there singing and she's standing at the back and she's in the choir and I went up in the balcony and I'm just standing there and I'm just looking. I'm gay. All, the only person I saw in that entire auditorium was Kim Kerner. She's the only one I saw. She was about three rows back and I, towards the end. And on the right-hand side, I still remember where she was. And I'm looking at Kim. All I remember is there was one person in that room that had my undivided attention, and it was Kim Kerner. I loved her, though I did not know her. After that was over, she had seen me at some point. She looked across, and she saw me totally disinterested. After it was over, she came up there to the balcony. I just waited there. She came up there, and she said, what are you doing here? I said, I came to see you. Well, you know, Steve, thank you. 
What she didn't know, this was Valentine's Day. Of what year would that have been? That would have been 1991. 1991, Valentine's Day. What she didn't know was when she left that day, she turned around, she walked away like I didn't even exist. I didn't even like the songs they sang. I don't even know what they sang. I just like this. And I went out to my car, which is parked a little ways away from her car, but I knew where her car was parked. I was a stalker. I'm still a stalker. Don't think I don't know you in ways you don't know I know you. But I was parked a few rows back. And what she did not know was that I had gone and I had purchased a dozen roses. And I got over there and thankfully her car was open. And I opened up her car door. Wait a minute. Whoa. You don't even know where I'm going with this. Whoa. Okay, get in the same lane with me, okay? So I open up the door, and I took these dozen roses and I, with a little note, and I said, will you meet, go to lunch with me today? With a little note, and I put them on her driver's seat. And I went back to my car, and I sat back there, and i just looking through the windshield, and I'm just waiting. <laughs> Yeah, shame on you for not doing it. You'd have been married a lot earlier. And I sat back there and I looked. And I waited. And she came out there and when she got in there, you coming to strike hands with me? You're So I waited, and she came in there, and she opened up that car door, and she saw those roses. Now, she didn't know who those roses were from. She, in her mind, she probably thought they were from Steve Flunt. Actually, his name was Hunt, but I called him Flunt. He was a tall, ugly guy. She picked up those roses, and she looked at that little note, and when she looked at that note and she looked around, that was my cue. I got out of the car, and I walked over there. I said, you want to go to Olive Garden? In Chattanooga? She said, absolutely. I will. That was our first date. You coming to strike hands with me? There you go, girl. (laughs) So we went to the Olive Garden in Chattanooga over off Hamilton Road. And the rest is history. And that began something of a love producing a knowledge, not a knowledge producing a love. So with that, I'm going to say this. In that way, love is perfected. You are dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But something occurred, you know, when when you consider love perfected, love perfected is, is, first John said, whoever keeps his word. You want to... See the love of God perfected in you. You want to love him perfectly? Keep his word. 
when he speaks to you, don't talk yourself out of it. Don't try to find a different alternative. Don't try to water it down. Don't try to change its meaning. When Yahweh speaks to you, when by Holy Spirit he says something to you, lay hold of that. Keep his word. You want, you want to love him perfectly. And when I say perfectly, someone might say, is it possible to even love him without error, without flaw? Perfect is, has nothing. I've taught this many times. But perfect has nothing to do with without flaw, without mistake, without stumbling over myself. Perfect means mature. Do you want to love him maturely? Do you want to love him in such a way that even when you do it right, you can celebrate it. And when you do it wrong, you don't need to waller in it. You can simply repent and correct it. You want to love him perfectly? Keep his word. You know, before meeting Apostle Ball in Panama City, a few years after Kim and I met, we both moved there, went on staff there at the Rock of Panama City. And, and when I met him, all I had was a knowledge of God. I had a lot of knowledge of God. I studied hard. I've told you this before. I memorized scriptures. I memorized entire books of the Bible. Several, I had three books of the Bible completely memorized because I thought that was what drew me closer to him. So I would find myself going into the back room in this particular uh, place before I got to the Rock of Panama City in the church where I was at. I'd find myself going into this back room and, because I wanted to know God because I believed that knowing him meant loving him. And I'd go back into this back room and I'd, I'd pray and I would pray as long as I could. I'd pray until I was mad at me and I would think, you know, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm just being honest. And some of you have been there too. You've been in prayer. You've gone somewhere and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. You prayed until it got into the flesh. Because you thought by praying more, it would produce more. And I would go in there and I would go to this back room and I would pray. And I'd be like, man, I, you know, I've prayed for an hour. I've prayed for an hour and a half. I've prayed for 30 minutes. I've prayed for it. And I would get to the point where all I could think about was everything that wasn't getting done. I wasn't even thinking about what I was saying to the Father. You know, I love you. I worship you. I honor you. You're the best. I just lift you up. I exalt you. Be powerful in my life today. Put me in a position where I can change someone's life. And, and all of these things. And I would say all of these. And then it would get to the place where I'm saying things. And I don't even hear what I'm saying because it had become redundant. No longer was there life in what I was saying. What I was doing was an activity. Was not producing any relationship. But I would find myself going in there and, and doing everything that I thought I needed to do simply to know him. And I would read the Bible. Man, I would read the Bible. I would read and read and read and read and I'd memorize and I'd memorize and I'd read this over and over and over again. And I would just, just fill myself with all this stuff. Because everyone that I knew was telling me, you want to know God, this is what you need to do. And I was just following those footsteps, following in those footsteps. And I was diving into those things. And I would, and I would dig in and man, I was just, just devouring this, the word. Which Let me make sure I'm clear this morning. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying doing those things does not produce love for God. Hear what I'm saying to you today. Love produces a passion to do those things. So I knew him. Man, I knew him. I'd quote you scripture and I'd preach wherever I'd preach. And Kim and I would travel and go wherever we'd go and do a revival and do a meeting. And be there all week long and man, I could preach. I could, I could throw out the scriptures and I'd uh, recite it. I'd break it down, my three points, and I would make sure that they understood it. By the time we left there, I'd give an altar. Man, I could preach. I had knowledge. But man, it was work. 
And somewhere in that, the knowledge did not produce any passion. The knowledge, in fact, produced frustration. Because once it became about knowing and not loving, if I wasn't learning enough, I became frustrated that somehow I don't know him more. Some of you can relate to what I'm talking about right now. And then when we went to the Rock of Panama City and I sat, sat out there and I began to learn and listen from Apostle F. Nolan Ball, man, I began to see something that was, it transcended anything that I had experienced up to that time because, again, all I knew to do was read more, study more, pray more, do this, memorize more, and make sure you're preaching more, and, and go and make sure you're witnessing, and make sure you're doing all of these things. And man, I, my head was so full of knowledge, it was about to explode, but none of it was his desire. Track with me. And then I meet Apostle F. Nolan Ball, who is probably both the most gracious man I've ever met and the meanest tiger on the planet. I am not lying. He could, with the, in the same sentence, he could make you smile and feel so good about yourself, and before the period arrived, at the end of the sentence, suddenly you felt small again. Before you judge him because of that, I want to tell you, if you like me, if you love me today, I am a product of his ministry. So I can tell you that it produced life. And as I sat and I listened to him teach, and I would listen, and, and I would get mad, and I would get happy, and I would get involved, I found myself suddenly realizing, oh my gosh, I don't have to remind myself to pray anymore. I'm not saying, Steve, you forgot to pray. Steve, you forgot to read. Steve, you forgot to do Steve, oh man, I, it's not on your to-do list. It was a part of you. Suddenly I found myself as I got to know him and I, and I began to experience by being in his presence, I began to experience a man who certainly knew God, but the knowledge and revelation he had from God came out of a love for God, not the other way around. And I saw what perfected love for God really looked like, and it began to infect me. It began to permeate who I was. It began to saturate me with this same desire, and, and suddenly I found myself doing something that I had never done before, and I would be driving down the road. I would simply be leaving my house and driving to the office, and I would be talking to God. I didn't wait until my 9 a.m. prayer hour. I'd be leaving the church or, and going to get a milkshake with Butch Ainsworth, which we like to do, go to the little, you know, the old pharmacies that used to have milkshakes. They actually did that there. They don't do it now. And we would go to the little pharmacy before we'd go visit somebody, and we'd get a milkshake, and we'd get them one because they loved it at Gardner's, a Gardner milkshake. I'd get the chocolate. He'd get the strawberry, and then we'd get whatever whoever we were going to see wanted. And I'd find that on my way there, we would be talking about things. And man, we'd be getting excited. Man, you know, when I was driving to the office this morning, Holy Spirit put this in my heart. And I, man, I just got to share it with you. Oh man, you won't believe what he shared with me. And suddenly we are regurgitating all over each other everything that the Holy Spirit had shared with us. And it wasn't because we said, hey, you know, at 11 o'clock today, we're going to go get a milkshake and then we're going to regurgitate on each other. It's because a love for God that was expanding and increasing, perfect love for God, suddenly began to produce a passion and a desire 
to fill my conversation, to fill our conversation with something outside of where we're going tonight at 7. We found that when we were, to, we were together, we were looking for ways to dig in, dig deep, and demonstrate that God is God to everyone around us. We wanted to share this love, not knowledge. See, the problem with a lot of my preaching over the years, and I'll tell you the truth, this is the truth, the problem with a lot of my preaching in the past and, and maybe even sometimes in the present, and I hope not. If it is, I'm rep- repenting of it now and I'm, I'm doing my best to correct it, but it is a presentation of knowledge. And it isn't knowledge that you need. It is a love for God, and then out of that, revelation will come. If I can impart to you a love for Yahweh God, to the point that you want to know Him, and that I can for you do what Apostle F. Nolan Ball did for me, and that is to infect you with a passion to love God, because you see that in me, man, my life, the smile that's on my face, if ever there is one, it is because I see the blessing of God in my life. Whether it be my wife or my children, my grandbabies, whatever it is, I, there's the, the blessing of God in my life, and, and, and I want that to be infectious in you. I don't want to produce knowledge in you. I want the knowledge to come from the love that I infect you with for the Father. Love perfected opens a doorway, takes you from being a window shopper, looking in and saying, I want to know that, I want to know that, I'm going to pick and choose. I'm going to study this, I'm going to study that, I'm going to study this, to the point where you get into the store and you realize that everything in the store belongs to you. You cannot know that without a love for Him. Love perfected is saying, what is your word to me? I'm going to keep that word. And when I hear that word and I keep that word, it opens the door for every possibility. The things I try to know with difficulty. When I love you, I will know with simplicity. To love what He loves, love perfected, is to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. Now, what I'm about to read to you might challenge some. might be challenging in your ears, and that is because of where we've come from. Depends on the knowledge upon which we've built our house. Depends on what the foundation looks like. But hear what I'm about to say to you. Out of Psalms 139, verse, starting with verse 19, Jenny addressed this in intercession on, on Wednesday morning, and, and I want to bring this to your attention now, because I think this is profound. In Psalm 139, beginning with verse 19, we'll read through 22. It reads like this. It says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. That's a rough way. That is a rough... Hey, God, kill them all! Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I... Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred, and I count them my enemies. Well, nobody's shouting about that. (laughs) It went silent in here. Everybody's holding their breath. What is he going to do with that? I didn't, I'm reading, reading what was written. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, O men of blood, depart from my daughter. Alex tells me all the time, she says, Dad, everything you do, you do twice. You read everything twice. You say amen twice. You say glory twice. That's right. Because if one is good, two is better. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. 
They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Love perfected. I want you to say this with me. You try to get it out. I mean, I know there might be some that are watching online or you're in here, and you might have a hard time getting this out because you feel like the word hate is a violation of what it is to be a Christian. But that's only because you're operating in a knowledge that is partial and not complete. So I want you to say this with me. I choose to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. So let's look at this word hate in Hebrew. It's really cool. It's a really cool word. The word hate in Hebrew, spelled the way that we spell it, is S-A-N-E. It is sane. But in the pronunciation, the Hebrew pronunciation is sane, which means literally to hate or despise or to be unloved. To hate something is to do exactly that as you would interpret it. It is to hate it. It is to despise it. Or it is to not love something. I can tell you today to not love something. People would say and can say and do say almost every day. Maybe people even now under the sound of my voice have found yourself at one time or another. You either you or someone you know has they just do not demonstrate in any way that they love God. Can I tell you today to not love God is to hate God. Let me wrap my mind around that for a second. To not love God is to hate God. Here's the challenge with that. There are people, I can think of some, there are people who love God today but don't know they do. And you probably know some as well. They love God. They honor Him in so many ways. They're passionate about His creation. But they haven't made application correctly. And in the same way, there are people who hate God that believe they love Him. They honor nothing of His Word. They're disinterested in His commands. They have no passion for what He's passionate about. But they would say, when you speak to them, I love God. But when we love something, love is not something that is invisible to the naked eye. Love, true love, perfect love, is tangible. There will always be evidence, whether it be knowledge follows love. Love does not follow knowledge. Knowledge follows love. There will always be something that is tangible. I love Him, therefore I'm going to dig deep and know Him. In all the ways that he shares with me. I love him. I do not hate him. It's going to be tangible. I love my wife. The, 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 the tangible evidence of my love for my wife is that I don't... I'm just throw a few things out there. When we walk out of a building, I, don't, I will not allow my wife to open a door for me. Or for that matter, I'm not going to let any woman open a door for me. I just come from the school where men don't do that. I open the car door for my wife. To this day. If we're at a restaurant, I want her to order before me. To this day. I'm not going to order for her because I don't always know what she wants. Because when I think I do, 
I find that my love has not quite been perfected yet. But I'm going to allow my wife to order before me if she's present. And I do these things because love is tangible in that. You know why? Because it, it's exciting to me to be able to show her. Even, and she doesn't say every time I open a door for her, she doesn't say, Oh, thank you, honey. That means so much to me. I wish you would. No, I'm just <laughs> But she doesn't do that. Or when I say, babe, what, do you, what would you like to eat? And you go first. She doesn't, thank you, babe. That, you know, that was special. <laughs> she doesn't do that. I open the car door. She gets in. I shut the door. I get in my side, and we start talking about whatever. There's no special moment. But there's a demonstration. It excites me. And the evidence of how I feel about my wife is present in how I treat her. And I can tell you one of the reasons no other woman will ever get my eye. I'm going to tell you something. You start opening the door for your wife, this is a soapbox. You start opening the door for your wife, you start letting her order first. You start bringing her something to drink when she's thirsty, you'll never have an eye for someone else. Soapbox. But hate... In Hebrew is sane, spelled sane, which means to hate or despise, to be unloved. What does that mean? And I was thinking this morning as I was considering this when we were back in that room, to be sane, to be sane, means not that I hate all things. You've got to get what I'm about to tell you right now. Because right now you got stuck in your head that, man, he's saying to hate, and what does Yahweh hate, man, I'm... I'm, I'm, a, I'm learning how to hate today. <laughs> What'd you learn at church today? I learned how to hate. And I'm going to be the best hater. No, it's not what we're learning. What you're learning is how to hate correctly. The Hebrew word is sane, S-A-N-E. To be sane is to know how to hate correctly what Yahweh hates. To be insane means to hate incorrectly. How do I apply that? What does that mean to hate correctly or to hate incorrectly? To hate incorrectly is to say, man, I'm going to tell you, God is not interested in people who do not serve Him. I hate them all. And the first person I meet that doesn't love God, I'm going to say, I hate you. That's incorrect. It's not the person we hate. It's the sin in them. That's to hate correctly. Anything that is in you, that is contrary to the purpose of God, I hate that. But you I do not hate. Anything that is in you that separates you from God, the choices you make, those things I hate, I hate them in the sense not that I'm going to come to you and say, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. I'm not going to be the Grinch. I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. But I'm going to hate those things that I see visible in your life so much so that they never become a part of me. I'm going to make sure that there's always a line that's drawn. But if I'm going to hate what God hates, I'm going to hate it correctly in the same way that God hates it correctly. God hates sin. Scripture says it makes it very clear. He hates sin. Does not hate people. He does not hate His creation. He hates what creation tries to create without Him. 
And if I can bring myself to that place, I begin to perfect love in me when I begin to see love for him perfected in me when I begin to recognize those things that are a part of my life or around me or that I'm involved in. How does he feel about this? If I want to see my love, the love in me perfected for God, if I want to have perfect love in me for him, I'm going to begin to recognize those places he would not be involved in, those things he would not be involved in, those people he would not relate to. And I'm going to separate myself from those things until or unless he joins me to them for a purpose. But it will not be by my word, it will be by his. Does anybody hear me this morning? I'm going to read this statement. I don't know if I put this in your, in your notes that you're reading today, but I want you to write this down if I didn't. Often, we have to come to the place where we hate what our mind is telling us so that we can love what our heart desires. I want you to write it again. I write it down. Often, we have come... Did I make a slide for that? I don't think I did. We have come to the place where we hate what our mind is telling us so that we can love what our heart desires. When we come to the place where we know God and love is being perfected and we are, it is in our heart to fulfill His commands, His word, and we begin to know Him because we love Him, not love Him because we know Him, but when we begin to know Him because we love Him, when that begins to happen, the desires that He puts in our heart will always be after Him. Does that make sense this morning? So we have to come to the place where we hate what our mind, because what happens is our mind will tell us, you know what, God doesn't care about this, or God doesn't care about that, and your mind will talk you out of things or into things that are completely contrary to what the Father wants for you. And we have to separate that, and we separate that because the more we love Him, the more we position ourselves to say, Father, what honors you? What blesses you? I want to love you that way. I want to perfect this love in me for you in that way by honoring you, honoring your word. What are you telling me? I'm going to love you that way. And the passions and the desires you put in my heart, I'm going to pursue those things. And by pursuing those, I begin to disconnect from the things that dishonor you. My mind gets changed, not because I read more, study more, sit in more classes. My mind gets changed because the desires of my heart that you put in there become fulfilled out of my relationship with you. Did any of that make sense to you? I hope so. Lastly, whatever the condition, I love this. We read this. This was in your Bible reading this week. If you did not do it, if you have not caught up, I would encourage you to at least catch up to 3 John. But whatever the condition of your soul, so goes your health. Let me wrap it up with this this morning. Whatever the condition of your soul, so goes your health. 3 John chapter 2 reads like this, says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Isn't that an interesting statement? Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that he equates wellness of body with wellness of soul. Wellness of soul does not follow wellness of body. In fact, Scripture is clear. It says, listen, I'm just paraphrasing. It says, listen, for those of you that work out all the time to get yourself strong, but you have no passion for God, your strength will fade. 
it will ultimately produce nothing. Because in the middle of all of that strength are bones that are no more great and no more less than the person sitting beside you, no matter the shape of their body. When the bare bones are exposed, one is not more or less than another. He said, so wherever the condition of your soul, whatever the condition of your soul, so goes your health. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Remember this, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It is the way you think about things. It is what you desire to do. What what you tell yourself every day, this is what I want to be a part of. And your emotions. This is how I feel about what's going on around me. This is how I feel about the moment that I'm in. The soul of man is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your health is important to Yahweh for a long and productive life. And if you want to improve your health, because your body is the It's what? Your body is the temple of the Most High God. If I want to improve this temple, I want to improve it. There's nothing wrong with lifting weights, getting strong, putting muscles on and doing all that. My son is Hulk Hogan. There's nothing wrong with doing all of that. Nothing at all. But if you want to improve that and take it to another place, take it to another level, first it is the soul. You want to improve that, improve that by tending to your soul. Tending to the mind, the will, and the emotions. And how do I tend to my mind, my will, what I'm thinking about, what moves me, what I'm passionate about? How do I tend to those things? I tend to them by perfectly loving God. Loving Him with a maturity and by saying, whatever He loves, I love. Whatever He hates, I hate. Whatever He's passionate about, I'm passionate about. And I'm going to begin to set my feet on the right course of action that takes me into the place Where I love Him in a way that knowledge can flow from it. I don't want to find myself in the place where I have knowledge and I'm waiting for the moment love blooms. I'm going to love Him. I'm going to love Him where I'm at. I'm going to love Him in the condition of my life. Whatever I'm at right now, wherever I'm at, I'm encouraging everybody in this room. I'm encouraging all of you that are watching online today. Wherever you find yourself, whatever the condition of your life right now, Love Him right where you at. Begin by saying, Father, I'm going to be faithful over whatever you say to me. I'm going to begin to make changes today. I'm going to tend to my soul, to my mind and my will and my emotions. And I'm going to bring them in line with you. And I'm going to begin to be hungry for what is good to you. I'm I'm going to thirst for what satisfies you. And as I begin to do that, And as I begin to position myself in that way and I begin to tend to my soul, Father, Father, out of that love, let wellness be born. Out of that love for you, out of that perfect love for you, let wholeness be born. Out of that perfect love for you, let renewness of mind be born. Out of that perfect love for you, let blessings flow. Out of that perfect love for you, let there be a shout in my mouth. Out of that perfect love for you, let there be a dance in my feet and a clap in my hands. Out of that perfect love, let me see what I've not seen and hear what I've not heard. I choose today. I choose today to position myself to love first. In whatever condition I'm in, I choose to love first. 
I choose to say, Father, I love you. I love you. And my heart and soul is passionate for the things of God. Out of that, whatever knowledge you want to sow into me, sow it. What you want me to know, let me know it. What you want to hold from me until another time, hold it. The most important thing today is not that I know more, but it is that I love well. And Father, today, in us, in me, and in this people today, help us today to love you with our heart, with our soul, with our mind. And let everything that flows, flow out of that love so that you are glorified. Father, I lift my voice. Come on, lift your hands in this room. Father, I lift my voice over every man and woman that's present in this place today. Those who are online that are watching today, I pray for them. I pray for those who have heard this message, who've heard this word. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will sow it as a seed deep into the heart of every single man and every single woman. No matter if they're young or if they're old, no matter what condition their life is right now, I pray that you will sow these words of truth into the heart and soul of every person, knowing that today, Father, you love them. And that loving you is not hard. Loving you is not knowing more. Knowing more comes from loving you. Today, heal every heart that's been broken. Heal every person that's given up. They've stopped believing. Father, today I pray by Holy Spirit that you sow seeds of passion again into every single man and every single woman that will turn their mind and their thoughts and their heart to you and be glorified. Help us to love what you love. Help us to hate correctly what you hate. Help us today to engage and embrace all that you have for your sons and your daughters. This is a day that you have made. And we rejoice in the opportunities you have set before us. Great, great are the opportunities that lie ahead of us. Great are the moments that this day holds. May we demonstrate to your glory that you are God and there is not another. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen, Amen.